Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. This is an interview that I have been eager to do for a long time, uh, over two years, but especially the last five or six months, because I am joined by somebody that uh, has been one of the most groundbreaking people in the history of 21st century American politics. And I have a feeling that when that history is fully written, there will be a great many more chapters that feature Andrew Yang. Not only is Andrew Yang a very successful entrepreneur, not only is he someone who is doing a terrific podcast, not only is he a very successful author whose book provides a way forward for actually improving our democracy, uh, he's a former Democratic presidential candidate, former Democratic candidate for mayor of New York City. He is the co-chair of the new Forward Party, and probably most important, he is the man that has made it socially acceptable for men to wear suits without a necktie. Gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome the one and only Andrew Yang. Andrew, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me. It's great to be here, Frank. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really love your book, Forward, Notes on the Future of Our Democracy. And even if people agree with you on nothing, uh, it's such an interesting, entertaining and compelling memoir in what it's like to run for president in 21st century America. Now, we could do a full hour just on your book, but I'm wondering if you could just share with folks what it's like physically to run for president and maybe even mentally and emotionally. The act of running for president from a candidate's perspective is something I think very few of us can relate to. Well, thanks, Frank. In my book, I compare it to having a birthday party every day, multiple times a day, (laughs) where you show up and people are like, hey, great to see you. And you're like, yeah, thanks for being here. And then you, you do that multiple times a day. Uh, and there are times when you might not actually feel <laughs> that celebratory, uh, but you certainly have to fake it or act like it uh, because there are so many people who are investing their hopes in you and they're only going to see you once. And, and you know, how do we change the process of running for president so that it's not essentially like a reality show that's even more physically taxing than Survivor because the the physical and emotional rigors that you describe in running for president, I can't imagine, and you point out that uh, in the private sector, the leadership examples that you've seen, I, I can't imagine that this is the best way to pick the most powerful leader in the world. Well, it's one reason I think celebrities are going to be an increasing presence in our politics because most same people don't want to enter this version uh, of uh, putting yourself forward. And as someone who's run companies, 
What I, I say is that if you see a CEO just running after TV cameras all the time, that company is something you want to sell short because they're having product problems or customer problems or management problems, and the CEO is off running around trying to raise his own profile. But in the political arena, it might actually be the wisest thing you can do is to run after those TV cameras. So I, I compare it to terrible leadership training, which uh, it unfortunately is. Uh, that uh, is really disconcerting. You ran for mayor last year, and uh, you were one of the leading presidential candidates for a while there. It looked like you were going to win the uh, Democratic nomination and the election. Uh, putting aside what happened in the mayoral election, from a physical and emotional perspective, is running for mayor the same sort of thing in terms of the emotional drain and needing to act like you're at a birthday party every day, or is it a bit different? Well, I had different experiences in that running for president, I was constantly trying to get attention and energy and stay in the race. Um, and there were a lot of mainstream press outlets that were trying to uh, get me out, <laughs> really. Mm. Whereas running for mayor, I was one of the most visible candidates. And so uh, I ended up just taking incoming attacks from other candidates who discovered that the surest way they could get any attention is to say something nasty or negative uh, about me. So they were very, very different dynamics in different races, in part because I had a different level of notoriety in one relative to the other. We're talking with Andrew Yang. Uh, He's the author of the book Forward, Notes on the Future of Our Democracy. He's the co-chair of the New Forward Party, which we're going to talk about in just a second. I remember one uh, really disappointing aspect of the mayoral campaign. And that's when Israel was under attack from terrorists. And you put out a a fairly innocuous statement, just letting the people of Israel know that uh, you stood with them and you were not okay with terrorism and you wanted everybody to uh, be safe and be secure. And you were criticized uh, by by some quarters of the extremist wing of the Democratic Party for that statement. I'm wondering, did that inform your decision at all to leave the Democratic Party, seeing that extremists were now playing such a pivotal role in primary elections? It's interesting, Frank. I wrote the book in 2020 to try and answer the question, why do I feel so despondent about the direction of American politics? And I concluded that we're being set up to fight each other, to hate each other, to not solve problems because of a dysfunctional two-party system, something you've spoken about many times in the past. Uh, My experience in terms of the ideological nature uh, of the left sharpened my conviction (laughs) that uh, we're being set up uh, in this way. But the structural problems um, are one of the reasons why you wind up with such virulent uh, anti-Israel sentiment and other ideas that are coming out of one extreme of the party. If people want to know more about what uh, Andrew's doing, they can go to andrewyang.com. A ton of interesting information out there, not only in terms of issues, but in terms of the forward party. Now, uh, a question that I'm sure you're sick of answering, because I imagine you get asked about it every day and have for the last few months. You sort of came out of nowhere in the presidential race. You went from being someone that folks had never heard of to being a household name, and you were one of the leading Democratic candidates for president. Then, 
uh, a year later, you were one of the leading Democratic candidates for mayor of New York City. Most folks that get as close as you did to both of those uh, really incredible jobs, they tend to try again four years later. You didn't. You chose to leave the Democratic Party. Why? Why did you want to leave the Democratic Party after you had seemingly such an ascendant political star? Uh, I'm trying to solve our country's problems and make it so that we feel good about what we're leaving to our kids. Uh, And I realized by digging in that we have this broken duopoly two-party system that is inflaming us and aggravating us. And the numbers I like to throw out there to illustrate this, Frank, are that right now about 28 percent of Americans are happy with the performance of Congress, which is fairly abysmal. On the flip side, the re-election rate for incumbent members of Congress is about 94%, which is a better win rate than the Jordan-era Chicago Bulls. So you have to ask yourself, if we're a business and three out of four customers were unhappy, but you changed nothing, how would they start to feel over time? The reason why the re-election rate is so high is that 90% of our districts are uncompetitive in the general election because both parties have conspired to make it non-competitive. So if you are in Congress, the only way you can lose or have your job threatened is if you get primaried from within your own party, which disproportionately empowers the most extreme 10 or 12 percent on the wings and leaves most of us out in the cold on the outside looking in. And that's why most of the people listening to this feel like they're not reflected in our day-to-day political conversation, because we're not. We're Uh, being drowned out by the most extreme voices that control the party primaries Mm. and control the job security of our elected representatives. How have your former Democratic brethren, both the rank and file folks that voted for you in the primaries, folks that donated to you, and sort of the higher ups within the Democratic Party, maybe folks that raised money for you or worked on your campaign as field operatives and other folks, how have the folks that were supportive of your mayoral candidacy and presidential candidacy treated you since your decision to go forward with the forward party? Uh, it's all over the map, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, there are some people who love the direction of the forward party, who supported my campaigns and see in the forward party a chance to realign and reorient our politics. And so they're uh, as gung-ho as ever, maybe even more so. There are other people who were really into being a Democrat and see my starting this new party as uh, something that's going to hurt their interests, even though, in my view, it's not. Well, like what we're doing with Forward should be in everyone's interest, because uh, at this point, so many Americans are pissed off. And in most of the country, 70 percent or so, races are uncontested or uncompetitive. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone wants an alternative. At this point, 50 percent of Americans consider ourselves independents. 62 percent want a new party to emerge. And my argument to Democrats or Republicans is that this will be good for you because it's going to actually introduce some real dynamism and competition and make your party actually have to do things. But that's not the way a lot of partisans see the world. They see the world as a zero-sum game where anything new is going to take from them. 
Uh, no, it's a, it's a great point, and I am well within both that 50% number and 62% number. So uh, folks are listening to us. You might have a lot of folks that are Republicans, might have a lot of folks that are Democrats, and I'm sure quite a few folks that are part of that independent plurality that you alluded to. This might be one of the first times they've heard a discussion about the forward party, let alone from someone who's such an integral part of it. Explain to folks, you mentioned an end to gerrymandering. You mentioned a desire for more more competitive elections. Aside from that, uh, and those are uh, as important as anything in American politics, what exactly does the Forward Party believe in? The Forward Party stands for three things, free people, thriving communities, and a vibrant democracy. And if you talk to Americans, they immediately light up at the fact that we don't seem to have any of these these things going for us right now. (laughs) People don't feel free. Communities are surviving, not thriving, and our democracy constantly feels like it's uh, on the precipice. Now, you mentioned some of the reform efforts uh, of having more competition competition and dynamism through things like nonpartisan open primaries and ranked choice voting. Those are the means for us to actually make our people free and our communities the center of our policies, which right now they're completely not. on the sidelines, and most of us don't matter in this current system. What is the game plan going forward for the forward party? I know that uh, you guys have endorsed some uh, some candidates this year, Democrats, Republicans, and independents running all over the country. Next year, and I think what a lot of people are curious about, uh, 2024, what is sort of the game plan in terms of possibly running forward parties for either local offices or national office? We have volunteers in all 50 states and state leads in 42 of them. Our goal is to get on the ballot in 15 states by the end of this year. Uh, we're already on the ballot in Texas and Connecticut, 30 by the end of next year, and then all 50 by 2024. Believe it or not, there are actually a host of local elections in 2023. So we're going to be involved with them. Immediately, even for this November, we've endorsed 28 or so candidates, and one of them I'm going to call attention to. Evan McMullen is running for U.S. Senate in Utah. He's neck and neck with the incumbent, and he's running as an independent. He says he'll caucus with neither party after he gets into the Senate in January. So there are massive opportunities right now for the forward party to help support genuinely independent candidates who want to change the way we do politics in this country. A lot of folks are listening to this who I'm sure were very taken with your presidential candidacy and are not at all fans of President Trump or the Trumpian Republican Party. A lot of folks are going to ask the question, and I'm sure you get asked it so often you're repeating an answer to it in your sleep. But what if there's a forward presidential candidate in 2024 and that candidate siphons off enough votes from uh, from the Democratic candidate in key states to either either send Trump back to the White House in 2024 or someone that's uh, equally repugnant in the minds of some. Wouldn't you feel bad that the forward party played a role in potentially electing a Trumpian type Republican? Well, you talk about the Trump versus Biden rematch, which is the most likely uh, set of candidates in 2024. It turns out that 58% of Americans aren't excited about either option. So if there is another option, it's going to get a lot 
uh, of attention from Americans. One of the reasons why we're fighting for reform is that we think that this spoiler effect, which is, hey, you're going to mess it up for one party or another, is primarily used to block out any competition, even though, again, half of us want something new or more. 62% of us want something new. So if you have a modern voting process like ranked choice voting, then anyone can vote for whomever they want. In the absence of that kind of change, we'll have to be judicious about doing something that we think is positive because people who know me know I'm no Trump fan. And our goal is to make our democracy stronger and stand the test of time, which in our view involves having more than two parties. It's such a good point that you make about ranked choice voting. Every time a Democrat worries in a state like uh, Oregon, for instance, that the presence of a third party candidate is going to cause a Republican to slip in and get elected and vice versa, when the Republicans worry about right leaning third party candidates, I always say the first thing I always say is I don't even want to hear that argument from anybody unless you've been very, very vocal in support of ranked choice voting. Now, um, it's no secret that the Democrats and Republicans have been pretty dominant in American politics over the course of the last 160 years or so. How will the forward party avoid the same fate as other third parties that look like they were poised to make major inroads on the national scene only to uh, kind of um, be engulfed by either of the major parties or see the enthusiasm for those movements diminish? You know, you, you talk about ranked choice voting in the mechanics. There's about initiative in Nevada that could change the primary is there to nonpartisan uh, and ranked choice voting. The main way that we're going to make progress is actually by saying, look, we need real dynamism and competition and choice. And if you want the forward party to become part of anything you're doing, you need to be for ranked choice voting. And if one party embraces that or the other or both, and by the way, in Connecticut, both major gubernatorial candidates have endorsed ranked choice voting, then you will have opened up the system for not just the forward party, but for libertarians or for any new party to emerge. You talk about the last 160 years. Uh, there's an artificial anti-competitive duopoly in effect in this country. And our big challenge to them is to say, let's open it up. If they genuinely open it up, you're going to see a lot of new entrants, not just us. I, you've been very generous with your time. If you'll indulge me for two more minutes, I want to uh, keep you just because there's a lot of folks who have questions about uh, how this is going to work going forward. Tulsi Gabbard, uh, the former Democratic congresswoman from Hawaii, former vice chair of the DNC, someone that ran for president in 2020 at the same time that you were running. She has excited a lot of peace activists on the left and even a lot of people that are upset with so-called wokeism on the right. And a lot of folks have talked about her as a potential a third party or independent candidate for president. Knowing what you know about her and given the pivotal role that you play in the forward party, is she the kind of candidate that you might see the forward party consider backing in 2024? Now, Tulsi and I got to know each other on the trail, which, by the way, does happen. If, if you run for sure. president with other candidates, then I own New Hampshire uh, an awful lot. And I admire the fact that she's one of the few genuine independents in American political life. Uh, I can see why there are so many people excited about her. And the forward party is about trying to manifest the will of the people. So if there are a lot of people that are excited about it, uh, it it's something that we consider.
Uh, you also did a terrific podcast interview with Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura sort of shocked the world 24 years ago when he was elected as governor of Minnesota as uh, as a third party candidate. He has a very sort of anti-establishment message. I know a lot of the folks that are gravitating towards the forward party, they seem more kind of centrist establishment types. Is Jesse Ventura and the kind of folks that might vote for Jesse Ventura, do they play a role in a forward party future? I'm a huge Jesse fan from my childhood, <laughs> predator and, and everything else. Um, but I'd consider Jesse uh, a massive role model uh, and someone that I think uh, the Forward Party is very aligned with, because you you refer to us in a particular way. Um, what we're trying to make happen is genuine reform from outside the establishment. Um, and I, I think Jesse has walked that walk more so than just about anyone. Uh, I think you came to fame by advocating for universal basic income. Most people didn't know what universal basic income was before you started talking about it. Then when the economy shut down with COVID and since then, we've seen increasing moves towards automation and a lot of people all over the world being uh, seeing their jobs replaced by robots. A lot of folks have been asking more questions about universal basic income. And some folks have even pointed out the fact that, well, maybe at a time of inflation, Inflation, maybe it's not the wisest move in the world with, to go forward with paying people, even if they're not necessarily working. How do you think the last two years have uh, bolstered or weakened the argument for universal basic income? And what would you say to those who think that the idea of UBI could be inflationary? I've looked at the numbers behind the CARES Act uh, and these other measures we've taken. And right now we're living in the worst of all worlds, Frank, where we've pumped trillions of dollars. The CARES Act was $2.4 trillion into the financial system and then catalyzed this inflation that's hurting families in terms of their ability to meet their basic needs. That's what I mean by the worst of both worlds, where the money got pushed into the system, but it was the system and the pipes that got the money as opposed to the people and the families. So if you are going to push this much in the way of resources out into the economic system, in my view, we would have been much better served by having that money actually go to people and consumers rather than uh, the pipes and the corporates. Hmm. Now, um, a lot of folks are tempted to dismiss the leaders of uh, any third party movement and to dismiss the motives of the folks that would uh, go forward with a movement like the forward party. I've heard it said of you that you're doing this for ego. I've heard it said of you that you're doing this to sell books, uh, to get attention or to get podcast subscribers. Uh, what do you say to those folks that say uh, this is not about a movement? This is about Andrew Yang pushing the Andrew Yang brand. Any truth to that? Gosh, Frank, you can speak to this more than anybody. Because the fact <laughs> is, those of us who figured out that the current system is broken and not designed to solve problems and just going to inflame and anger us. And then we raise our hands and say, look, we need a new approach. We need some kind of positive new party movement. And then what gets flung at us is that we're somehow uh, attention-seeking, where you have the two biggest grifts in the world, known as the Democratic <laughs> Party and the Republican Party, staring you in the face with their media apparatus and their donor networks and everything else. I mean, heck, how many people go into either of those two parties because they want their name up in lights or because it's going to afford them 
uh, a handsome living. Uh, everyone in this movement is doing it because they know what the country needs is this sort of new alternative. And you know this, that there are a lot of folks that don't want there to be a new alternative. You know, oh, like yeah. you're doing something purposefully difficult. And it's one reason why I love the people who've embraced and championed the forward party early on, because everyone is doing it for the right reason. There, 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 there's no payoff. <laughs> uh, that, like the only is... reason anyone can be doing it is because of patriotism, uh, and they know that our country is sunk if we don't succeed. If uh, sports is analogous to the world of politics, I think there's a strong case to be made that maybe the San Diego Padres are the third party candidate of this year's playoff cycle. They've uh, already eliminated my beloved New York Mets. They've now eliminated the best team in baseball uh, during the regular season, the L.A. Dodgers. As somebody that's trying to break up the stranglehold that the major parties have on uh, on politics and on government, are you cheering the San Diego Padres on this year? Well, I'm a Mets fan like you, Frank, so I, I was super sad <laughs> to see uh, the Padres beat us. But then playing the Padres, you have to feel like, holy crap, this team um, is really strong and with it, mentally tough, and the rest of it. And I agree with you that the progress of the forward party uh, is going to be nonlinear, where people are going to say, oh, well, can't be done, can't be done. And then all of a sudden, everyone will, will see, like, wow, everyone is into this. Because the fact is, most of us want it. Most of us are sick and tired of the Democratic Party's uh, narrative and the Republican Party's narrative. And we know that there are tens of millions of us who are somewhere in the middle or who have views from both sides and don't fall neatly into one ideological bucket or another. And if we get together in the forward party, we can be the Padres of (laughs) wonderful, wonderful. Let's hope so. If people want to get involved in the forward party or at least learn more about it, what's the best way for them to do that? Like you said, just go to forwardparty.com. You can also go to andrewyang.com to see what uh, I'm up to. I was in Utah campaigning for Evan McMullen for U.S. Senate this past weekend because the forward party is all about action and backing people who also want to break from this hyper-partisan, polarized political system that is leading us to attack our friends and our family members and our neighbors. If you want something different, go to forwardparty.com and let's build it. Andrew, what you're doing to me is like um, water. It's like an oasis in the middle of a desert. I've been waiting for a leader like you with a national profile who folks will actually pay attention to and uh, who doesn't have to reintroduce themselves every time they walk into a room to take on this mantle of third party leadership. And uh, having been in the third party sphere for uh, literally decades, I know one of the problems that uh, third parties and third party candidates have always had is getting media attention. And I can assure you, on this on this program, uh, the, that will not be a problem. And uh, if there's any radio platform, any audio platform that can be known, known for boosting the forward party, its ideals and forward party candidates, uh, this one is it. So I hope this is the, the first of many conversations that we have going forward. I hope so, too, Frank. Again, you, you've been uh, beating the drum or a political realignment for years and years. And uh, let, let's make you a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Yang, thank you so much. I'll uh, look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, Frank. Talk to you soon. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. 
The Other Side of Midnight. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.